0: The Indie-Author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we Indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of. From getting over initial prejudices, to staring down perfectionism and author-imposter syndrome, we've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we Indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. Today you are in for a massive treat. I had the wonderful privilege of speaking with and interviewing Martha Carr. She is such an incredible person and such an incredible inspiration to those of us who are writing and wanting to do what she does. Now, I originally met Martha. I mean, I've known about her for a while, but I originally met Martha at the 20 Books to 50K Vegas conference last year, and she did a wonderful speech that just, it literally moved me to tears. And I knew that as soon as I got back, she was one of those people that I would have to reach out to to see if she'd come onto the show. And I'm so pleased and honored to say that, of course, she did. And <laughs> we've talked about so many things in this podcast interview, including that starting point of writing through adversity and what it was like to write when she had a very life altering and earth shattering diagnosis in 2010. But we moved on from there to talk a lot about other things too, like the right mindset to have as an author, the the usefulness of having a PA or someone else by your side to be a sounding board. And also we talk about her upcoming Kickstarter project as well, and what it means to have a Kickstarter in this day and age, because Kickstarter has become a massive thing and oh, she's got some great tips for you. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to hop straight into it because I know you're going to want to hear everything she has to say. Let's get to it. Well, hello, Martha. Thank you so much for joining the Author Revolution podcast. I am so excited and thrilled that you're here today. Now, I did mention in the introduction how you kind of came into my sphere. I don't know that I came into yours much, but I was definitely enthralled. (laughs) And I was just hoping that you could tell my audience a little bit more about who you are and what you write and what you do in case they haven't heard of you.
1: Okay. So I write urban fantasy. I've been writing for about 30 some years, must be 35 by now. And, uh, I know. And I I started as a journalist, uh, newspapers was my backup uh, because they'd existed since Ben Franklin. Where were newspapers going? Who knew? (laughs) And, um, I wrote for the Washington post and, um, I was a freelancer for a long time. Then I had a national column on politics that got about 4 million readers a month. I wrote thrillers that critics loved and no one cared about. (laughs) And uh, I switched to urban fantasy and they took off like a rocket. So I have about 200 books uh, in urban fantasy, created a universe with Michael Anderle. We co-created called Orisarin. And now I'm working on a fun, uh, you know, you always kind of keep finding ways to make it fun for yourself. So I'm working on a project solo, and um, I'm going to do a Kickstarter that'll come out in May, um, Queen of the Flightless Dragons. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that.
0: Yeah, I would say so I'm gonna have to come circle back around to the Kickstarter thing, because I know that was a huge one at the 20 books right. uh, convention when I think I took three of the different talks on that. So it's, it'll be interesting to talk to you about that. But When it comes to urban fantasy, I am also an urban fantasy writer, but I love it so much because it allows me to kind of shift out of like the norm. I I don't know. We've got enough crazy things that bog us down that it's nice to expand into something that is more fun or more freeing. What do you think it is for you that drew you to urban fantasy when you first started?
1: So you know, uh, well, first of all, as a little kid, I remember I threw my little brother a birthday party and I did the magic. So it was kind of already in there. (laughs) And um, urban fantasy as opposed to fantasy is the idea that magic exists all around us. We're just unaware of it. And it also can um, be about the better self of human beings and the darker self and uh, that we possess more, we're capable of more than we realize or, you know, going in either direction. And so who wouldn't love that? And also... Right, and with urban fantasy, you could do a thriller still. I mean, you could do action adventure still. You could do a romance still. You're just wrapping it in magic, and you get to make up the rules of the magics. You know, it's within certain constraints, but really, you if you can make it make sense, you can do it. So why not?
0: I guess I love it so much, and I I love that it's expanded in different like aspects as well. Like even now with the paranormal women's version of it and adding in that midlife character I I love how we keep as authors kind of mixing it up and making it fresh and and coming at it with new eyes
1: and lit RPG you know is really uh, has the um, you go to different levels but it's urban fantasy because they're creating real worlds there where magic exists and the same creatures they've just twisted it a bit I don't sure. know that they'd be happy I said that, but it's true.
0: <laughs> I think you're probably very right. <laughs> well, I had a question about, you know, obviously you're so inspirational and prolific, and I think you already answered my
1: question, but you have 200 books out so far? Is that what I uh, heard? I think it's just about. And um, some of those I may have accidentally, so other people write in the universe, so I may have accidentally included them as well, but it's somewhere <laughs> in the neighborhood. Wow, that's amazing.
0: How does it feel? Like, do you still like look back and go, what book was
1: that? Like, (laughs) I would get so lost. Um, The only thing I tend, that's the weird thing, you know, I can't remember people's names very well. And I just figure my head's crammed full of characters. And I can remember I can uh, generally what I lose is details like what arm got blown off so that I can remember not to use the wrong arm the next time. Minor details. But I also know when I don't know So to go and ask fans and fans can even tell me the page number pretty quickly. I know. I don't know how they do it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, of all the things in my life, sadly, the one thing I can really remember doesn't really exist. So whatever.
0: Mm, Those things happen. (laughs) I think that's more fun that way. (laughs) We can almost get philosophical. Like, does anything really exist? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Maybe magic is real. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> so one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I wanted you to come onto this podcast is because I went to the 20 books Vegas conference and your, your talk, your speech was probably one of the most inspiring ones that I've heard in a very long time. And it's and definitely there. It was one of the ones that just kind of really touched me um, in, a, in a place of my heart that it, it means something to me because as you were, you and I were talking before we started, my brother was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer when he was really little. And right. so I've ha- always had like this need to try to, you know, write through adversity. And that was the name of your, your talk, Working Through Adversity. And so you mentioned in 2010 that you had a surprising diagnosis. And I was wondering if you could tell my audience a little bit more about what that was like for you and how it
1: impacted your writing during that time. So um, in 2010, I was diagnosed with terminal melanoma and given a year to live. And back in 2010, the only treatment for melanoma was surgery. Once, if that didn't fix it, then there was not a lot else they could do. Chemo did not in those days work. And uh, they seemed pretty convinced it was just a year. And um, I called, the first person I called was somebody I knew who didn't operate on woe is me. And uh, she said, "What do you want to believe for?" And I said, "I want to believe I'm going to live." And she said, "Then that's what we're going to believe for." And she never wavered. Absolutely. And I chose carefully who I would speak to about it because uh, it's when when you you know time is like money and or it's energy and uh, so, so when you spend your time with people who um, have to tell you their worst story, have to put their fear on you, then I have to work twice as hard to get back to where I started. And I just spent my time, you know, it's like going to eating an old hot dog from a gas station. It's not a good idea. (laughs) No, it's really not. Or Taco Bell. (laughs) Right. Um, And so I was very careful about who I would even let speak to me. And something about, you know, being given that diagnosis made me a lot bolder than I had been. And so if somebody started to do the oh, I would stop them and say, nope, I can't do that with you. And I would walk away. And that was one of the gifts of that too, was I learned how to stop taking care of others. I stopped letting others be my outer regulation of how I felt. And it started to become more inward and I made peace with it. That makes it easier to prioritize what it is I want to do. And one of the cool things too, was that was back in my thriller days. You know, when I was writing books that no one really cared about except critics, <laughs> um, I, understood that even if this the diagnosis turned out to be correct i was happy where i was i mean i wasn't famous or financially successful um but i still knew i'd made the choices i wanted to make and that was a really cool thing to find out too and clearly the diagnosis was wrong
0: obviously well and thank yeah. goodness for that i think it's really powerful when you have that decision and then hold the belief though I mean, there are a lot of people when they when they get a diagnosis like that who will shut down and just assume the worst and like then start going down the rabbit hole of like, oh, these are the signs I need to watch out for. These are the things that are terrible coming at me. And that could really
1: devastate a person. It can, but I also want to be really careful. Everybody's journey when they're in that kind of journey, actually everybody's journey, no matter what you're talking about, is uniquely their own. And however they choose to do it, I'm cool with. If somebody does want to go down that rabbit hole. I, I may not join you if it's pretty dark, but I'll try at least to sit and listen. And, um, so this was what I chose to do, but, you know, I had a friend who died from breast cancer and she talked to the very end, uh, what she's going to do about in the spring to the point where the doctors were worried. She didn't realize she was dying. And I kept saying, what does it matter? I don't think that's going to change things. Yeah. And, um, that's the way she chose to handle it. I was cool with it. So you know anybody who's hearing this and thinking, "I don't have the capability to do that, really trust you. If what you need to do is get angry and shake your fist, get angry and shake your fist. It's your journey. you know, you get to own it. and I think that's the biggest gift I got out of it was that I finally fully own something instead of trying checking in with others about how do you feel about it. It just really didn't matter to me. That's a really good point. I, I think a lot of people going into it beforehand,
0: you know, are going to think that they're, I don't know, just almost the the person who isn't in control of it, the person that isn't capable of making those decisions. And so having that power, like back in your hands, I think that's really, uh, that's really a place of empowerment. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's
1: just, I think that's wonderful. Imagine what, if you uh, then apply that to your writing career, how powerful that becomes. Because, you know, if you're on social media at all, and if you're a writer, you are on social media, hopefully, because you got to be, uh, there's lots of people who love to post about how well they're doing. And here's how they did it in great detail. And that's somewhat helpful, unless you feel like you have to do everything that everyone's doing, right. because journeys are not the same at all as a writer. And uh, people make themselves nuts. They spend a lot of money uh, that doesn't come back to them, and they blame themselves. And so being able to take the power back and say, nope, this is the this is what I being able to trust your own gut and say, this is what I want to do. This is what feels right. This is what's within my budget. And I'm kind of trust that this will get somewhere. That's very powerful. So you can take that's what you know, you can take that lesson from other parts of life uh, where you stood back up and apply it to writing. It works. Or any artistic career, they're hard because you don't have a building where you can go for an interview and see if you get the job. You're creating your own job and your own audience, and it may take a while. I know for me,
0: that's definitely, it felt like that in the very beginning, where I began in in 2010, actually, um, was the first year that I started writing professionally, where I I knew I was going to publish. And I published the first novel in, in 2013, but it was after like a crazy life mishap, divorce, remarriage, a bunch of craziness. But it doesn't. It isn't always that instantaneous thing that you think it might be. It and worries. yeah, and you were saying for a long time in your talk um, that money wasn't the easiest thing to come by, and that it actually took a while to get there. What kind of it advice?
1: Took, it took twenty some years. Yeah. I mean, I had enough. I had just enough. I was so good at stretching a dollar. I look back on that now and think, how did I do that? I mean, it was like if that was magic. And, um, so if I could talk to that younger me who didn't, could, you know, I I have the luxury of, first of all, finally being financially successful. And secondly, um, looking back and if I could, I would tell her to enjoy the ride more than I was able. I was, um, so focused on, I need to be there that I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because, um, even those thrillers, I also wrote nonfiction about us orphanages, spent a lot of. Time living on them to research the book. I wouldn't change any of it. I've written in about every form except screenplays that you can, and I haven't written a play. Um, and I wouldn't change any of it. It it makes up an entire life, and I wish I'd realized that. Sure, and be more in the the moment instead. I think. Well, I'm of- more accepting, and and more accepting that that um, I was okay already. That getting here um, really wasn't going to change who I am, it, yeah. and it didn't. Yeah, because uh, yeah. you know you can uh, be financially successful and still worry every day if you want to. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's
0: it just depends on what your worry is, like what what your brain is um, latched onto. They, they say that it takes 17 seconds to create momentum of thought. And so as soon as you have a thought for 17 seconds and you're holding it that long, more of similar thoughts are going to join it and it will continue right. to snowball until you can't get off that train.
1: <laughs> right. But you know, the opposite can be true too. So I can, uh, I can worry about what might go wrong, but what if I uh, thought about what might go right? Yes. Because I don't actually control the future. So why not just spend it imagining what could go right? And I'll just keep, so I'm in the do the work business. I'm not in the results business. So I'm not sitting here trying to get anywhere in particular. I'm taking the steps towards what uh, I hope to get to, but I'm open to what happens. Because frankly, everything that I have was not what I was initially going for. But if I had known better, I would have known this is what I wanted. Gotcha.
0: Isn't it interesting how we still, we do that, where we we think there's a goal that we want, and we think it's the thing that's going to make us happy. But life will lead us down a different path. And eventually we'll get to a different place. And you'll look back and go, you know, this is actually what I wanted all along. It's no wonder these other things didn't
1: work out. Right. But at the same time, when I was younger and worried and a single mother, I was determined to get to the place I decided. And I cut off a lot of paths because they didn't look like they didn't look like. And um, so, uh, yeah, that's another thing I would tell myself is just go with what the door is open because I don't know where it's leading and be more willing to just let things unfold. It's all okay. Yeah. It's all about those
0: experiences and how we dive into the contrast and the, the the experience of everything, just how we want to like incorporate everything that we're walking into, talking to whatever, and, and pull it into part of our being. I think that's really important.
1: It's also hard to be a part of a team if I'm really determined to get to a particular place, right. because you bring other human beings into it. I mean, just talk about Christmas when you're married to somebody, and you think you're a reasonable person till they want a fake tree. <laughs> so if you know if if I can be open and willing, then I'm more willing to try something that they want to do, and you know I can bring myself to it too. And also, it means when things aren't going um, smoothly, which is going to happen. I'm more willing to stick with it and to let it ride and to see where it goes than to pull the plug and go in another direction. Sure. So, Yeah. So bring your willingness and just go.
0: Absolutely. I think there's some benefit to that perseverance and
1: resilience.
0: Yeah. And the resilience of it, <clears throat> because our, especially with the indie author career, I'm losing my voice for some reason. Oh my yeah. gosh. <clears throat> in the indie industry, it doesn't feel like there's many of us who are those overnight successes. It feels like it's more right. of this testament of this is our love. This is the thing that we're really wanting to do. And I'm going to keep doing it in the hopes that yes, someday it will bring financial success. Yes, someday it will bring whatever it is I think I want. But if you can stay in that moment right now and just enjoy where you're at, right. so many more of the beautiful things can unfold for you as you continue to move forward. Maybe Maybe you're even then guided more on that path of the things that will bring you more joy because you're more open to what those are if it's a a, an interesting new door that comes at you and you didn't know
1: it was there yeah and also um there was a time in the early 2000s where um or i guess it was 2010 where i was exhausted from the pitching just the constant pitching and i went and got a corporate job as an editor for a few years and it was actually great i had an insurance card in my pocket i knew where to show up the job was pretty much the same every day i had a cubby every two weeks money magically appeared and it was great to take a break so there's also nothing wrong with that you're still a writer i wrote when i could and it just i just could take a breath so this journey is a long one and you get to make it whatever you want. And whatever you choose is great. It's got nothing to do with anybody else's opinion. By the way, when I first self-published, I was traditionally published first. And when I first self-published, someone I knew sent me this long screed of an email saying I was embarrassing myself and I should turn back and blah, blah, blah. And it was very long too. They'd taken a lot of time. Gosh. (laughs) <clears throat> and I they deleted it
0: an awful lot.
1: <laughs> they have very strong opinions on it, and they weren't yeah. a writer, but whatever. Huh. um I deleted it because what's that got to do with me? They yeah. were bringing their own opinion, their own fears, their and their own feelings of self worth based on what you do. If I had um, self published and crashed and burned and gone back to tradi- traditional, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It's my journey. So, I mean, The most important question there is in the world is what do you want? And it's fluid. It changes all the time. You check in with yourself and say, what do I want? And then go for it. And sometimes you try it and you think this is horrible. And so you make a different one. Nothing is wrong. You just cross something off the list. That's all. Yeah. And it
0: might not have even been the right decision then, but it left you with an experience that will help you later
1: on. You just never know how it's going to come back. Well, even those experiences are right ones because uh, you learn what you don't like, which makes what you do like stand out more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes it more clear. So then you've, if nothing Absolutely. else, gain clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to stand around saying, oh, well, what about that? And, and by the way, you know, I'd mentioned the Kickstarter. I tried doing a solo project three years ago, pre-COVID, which feels like 10 years ago, but it not. It does. Yeah. And I tried too much at once uh, and it, it was too much work. It was too, you know, I was also doing Orosarin and all of that. And then I had this mm-hmm. other thing I was building and it wasn't fun. And so I killed it pr- about a year into it and thought, huh. And, but what I realized was that I, I had answered a question for myself. Do I want to build something that big? No, I do not. Uh And so now doing the Kickstarter, it's actually more fun because there's no part of my brain going, but what about this? And I learned a lot from it. Yeah. So you learn from those experiences too. Nothing is wasted.
0: Do you value, do you think now looking back, do you value fun then a lot when it comes to like how your experiences are unfolding? Do you, do you look at the fun aspect of it?
1: Well, actually, what I'm always saying, and I probably said in that speech was, if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Yeah. And, and um, I know people like to say to me, well, there's some things I have to do in life that aren't very fun. And I totally agree. But while I'm doing those things that aren't very fun, I'm trying to figure out how to adjust. Yeah. So if I have a job that I don't like, um, which happens to all of us, and I, you, know, you can't afford to necessarily just walk out the door, but I, I can recognize then I'm not having fun here. And then what can I do to change jobs, change this job, whatever, and uh, keep going. So, or me finding out, I mean, I wasn't having fun when I had this huge project going. I mean, every hour of every day was now eaten up. So there's nothing else to do. And I'm too old for that. Maybe if I was 30, that would have been fun, but I'm 63. It was not fun. Yeah. And so I, I adjusted. I um, made sure everybody was taken care of and I killed it and got to come back. You know, now I'm coming back around a second time. We're just going to do it smaller so that it's just me. Much more fun for me. That's great. And, but yeah, if you're not having fun, especially writing is can be tough. You know, critics, whatever. It can be tough if you're not having fun at it. Why are you doing it? And I think so many of us, especially, I don't know, it's it seems
0: like a cycle. It's like we start and we're having fun. We're like, oh, this is the best job ever. This is like the greatest thing. And then all of a sudden you start learning, oh, then there's keywords and there's like, you have to understand copywriting and there's these covers and the covers have to match this genre. What's a genre? All the, you know, all the things start coming yeah. at you. And it t- it's like it sucks the air out of the room for a bit. Right. And you have to find a way to decompress it and let the fun back in so that you can figure out, which aspects of those things you want to focus on and which ones you want to just let go.
1: Yep. And also to, um, you know, on a day, if I'm really overwhelmed, I know it's time to quit for the day. And uh, that teaches me that uh, nothing, nothing, nothing that I do absolutely has to be done right that second so that I don't start thinking I'm in control of the universe because that's a tough place to live where it's worry, worry, worry. And I'd rather let something go and pick it back up the next day than teach myself that the universe is a very narrow, unforgiving place. And, um, yeah. So pick the things you want to do. If you've got to do something for a while, you don't like while you're doing it, look at how necessary it might be. Is there someone you can farm it out to? Does it need to be done? How can you make it better? I love that. I love that so much. I think, we often have to do that.
0: It's so hard in the beginning when you think as an indie author, everything's on your shoulders and it's like, it's all so pressing. But as soon, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before too, where it's like, as soon as I hired my PA, which was 2018, I think is when it was end of 2018. So it's like mostly 2019. It was like, that's that was the turning point in, in my mindset. It was the turning point in my reach. It was the turning point with my income. It was like, Allowing someone to finally come in and help instead of me having to be the only one doing all the things, that was like the, the light switch that kind of let things go forward and let me to see, let me see things better. And I think a lot of authors, they think it's like they're scared to let other people in. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's because they're perfectionists or controlling um, their universes with whatever they're doing. But it's so freeing to, to finally know that someone else has your back.
1: You know what I mean? Sure. Life is all about connections. And the more we can connect with others the, and show vulnerability, the easier and more fun it gets. And uh, and again, I'm teaching myself I'm not in control of the universe and that that's a good thing. So, you know, if you can't afford a PA, then choose the few things you can do and just trust that that's enough which is how I started. It's how everybody started. And when you can't afford a PA, buy just a few hours, figure out the thing you really don't like doing and give that as the first assignment. That way you get to know each other too. And, uh, the wonderful Grace Snoke is my, um, assistant now, but that's not the first person I hired. You know, it took a few. And, uh, so, you know, you just keep going and trust that you will find the right person. And yeah, my, I've been able to expand my business because Grace exists. And uh, I don't think I could if she didn't, because how am I going to spend so many hours writing if a million other things need to be done? Plus, I'm not any good at math. Grace loves spreadsheets. <laughs> so um, she keeps track of that. And you know, if you run into somebody who doesn't do what you hoped, who you don't feel like had your best interest, then you let them go. Change Never. your passwords. It's not a big deal. It's okay, and you just keep going. You don't need to be. Uh, um, you don't need to make it into a thing. It's yeah. just what happened, and yeah, just keep going. And all those things have happened to me, um, and it's fine. I mean, life's too good to to even think about it. I just That's keep going. i Grace. Grace is wonderful, and she has that. a book about how to be a good PA. Ooh, what is the book uh, called? It is called Free Your Time, How Assistants Supercharge Successful Authors. I love it. So if you want to be a PA, it tells you how to what you need to know. And if you want to hire one, it tells you what to look for. I love that. When yeah. I started,
0: it, I didn't know what I needed. I just knew what would feel good if they did it. It was kind of like I was trying to figure out. So I had a spreadsheet, right. speaking of spreadsheets, and I, I kind of, um, I guess, Went into it where it was like for the first four months, I would try out four different people and then I would come back to the ones that felt like they worked the best. So like each one knew that they get like a month trial and then I'll come back to them at the end of this like period. And that's how, how that whole situation went. And I was able to see what I liked, what I didn't like. And I think sometimes maybe yeah. that's helpful too. just be really clear and upfront in the beginning yes. of what you need and what you're looking for. And you're going to know working with those people pretty quickly, whether or not they're, they're the right fit,
1: you know? Yeah. And if you could take ego out of it and understand you're not responsible for others, then it's easier to say, this is what I need. It doesn't seem to be working. Um, I wish you well, but this is where we part. And if you're going to build a universe, by the way, you better learn that as well, because uh, not every writer, it's not going to always work out and or cover designer, etc. And if you put ego into it, then you're dragging around a lot of resentment and you may be putting resentment out there in the world when it's not necessary It's just be clear. And if you need to say something, say it quickly. Say, I mean, by quickly, I mean, don't wait days or weeks or months. Let it stew. Yeah. Don't, don't do that.
0: (laughs) Just help anybody.
1: Yeah. Give people the information they need. Yeah.
0: I agree with you there. Okay. Now you mentioned both in your talk and then just a few minutes ago that you're now earning a full-time income from it. You're a millionaire author. And this is something that over the past year and a half, I've been talking a lot on my podcast about trying to elevate the indie author community out of that poverty mindset. They seem a lot of them, especially the newbies, have this idea of like, I, I would never be able to earn a lot of money. I would never, I'll never be able to, and that's like their go-to mindset, like this this concept of like, I'll never make it, so therefore I'm not going to dream that big. Uh-huh. And so I've been trying to help them kind of shift through those limitations. And you were talking about in the, the talk before about how you, in the beginning, especially it, being a single mom and going through your cancer situation, everything with money was very tight and you stretched the dollar, but you were able to turn it around in part because of total honesty. And I thought that was so key in that talk. I was like, that is powerful. Can you mm-hmm. um, tell my audience a little bit about what you meant by that?
1: Sure. So if I can't be rigorously honest, then I... Um... So we all know that honesty means you don't stand there and say the sky is red when it's blue. I mean, those those are obvious, but there's a nuanced side to honesty, rigorous honesty, where uh, you're kind of lying, but you call it other things and it chips away at you. So if I can't say, this is where I'm at, this is how well I'm doing and own it or not doing, then I'm lying and uh, I'm really harming myself. And I'm also putting myself... I'm kind of making myself pray for other people who like to tear at you. Mm. And I'm just heaping shame more shame on myself because now this person is like the person who sent me the email with the long screed because yeah. I was t- choosing indie. If I hadn't learned to find my sense of worth from myself, then I I probably would have stewed over that email for days. Instead, I just deleted it and th- thought it was kind of amusing that he spent that much time on it. Yeah. Uh, Because you know, he wasted probably a good hour anyway. (laughs) Um, so if you're, you know, if you're feeling like I I cannot imagine making that much, frankly, what I'd say to you is that makes sense because you've never done it, so it's not not a fault. How about we start with where you feel comfortable internally? So if you're making, say, 30,000 a year, if you made 36, does that feel like Doable, like it's like you can envision yourself with six thousand more dollars a year, which I think is five hundred more dollars a month. Does that feel like attainable? Just start there, because like you've mentioned, um, not nobody I know, at least except Michael, maybe went from zero to one hundred overnight and we all built to it. So that's fine, build to it. What's the goal that you think you could get to that you can envision? What would you do with, with 500 extra dollars a month? Picture that. When you get to that goal, pick a new one. Uh, just do it that way because you'll have more fun too. Trying to envision something that you, that you just don't feel good about, it's not gonna work. Pick the thing you can, the rock is still rolling in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. It's those incremental upgrades and going with the sure. momentum of it for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. I didn't dream about where I am right now. I'm not sure I would have known how to, but I did dream, you know, I had smaller dreams. And uh, so uh, at every birthday, my friends and I have this thing where we like to say, if money were no object, what would you want? And uh, this one young lady, uh, she was in her late 20s and she said with all her heart i would want a gym membership and a kindle and this is you know a fictitious game where i always yeah. say chef and a driver by the way i always say a chef and <laughs> driver yes and <laughs> and um what i thought was wonderful was she actually picked something somebody said well i think out of all of us you're the more most likely to get it and, and years later she did attain both those things and surpassed it and maybe she had the right idea because she picked attainable goals and sure. then drove right over them. Yeah. You
0: pick the thing that feels good that you really want right now. And you know, it, it's, well, it can be a
1: stretch. It can be a slight stretch. I mean, um, it doesn't have to be like, I know I can do it tomorrow. It's what, if you check in with yourself internally, does this create anxiety or can you picture what you would do with the money? If, really what you want, if you're you know, like a single mom, and really what you want is to not worry about where the diapers are coming from, then that's your goal. How much does it cost to get enough diapers? That's your goal. Just start with that. Shane Silvers worked in a bank when he first started, and um, his goal was to make as much as he did at the bank. And from what he says, it wasn't a lot. So it was an s- attainable goal. And that was all he wanted. And then he, you know, drove right over it. Yes, so he did. He did. So <clears throat> pick something where internally it can be small too. Whatever it is that internally you can handle, it's okay that that's, that's not going to stop you from going beyond it. This is just where you're headed today. And yeah. things change.
0: And it's okay to pick those smaller things as long as it's something that you feel really joyous about. If it gives you yes. that anticipatory, like elation, go for yeah. it. Everyone's yeah, journey is
1: different. That's right. And it can still have, if you, if no matter what you pick, you still have some anxiety mixed in, doesn't matter. True courage is being afraid and going forward anyway. And you know, the Kickstarter thing, I have a lot of joy around it, but occasionally I have a twinge of, um, what if no one shows up? <laughs> sure. I think that's pretty normal. <laughs> yes. And that never goes away, by the way, you can make as much as you want and uh, you can still try something new and think, hmm, wonder if no one comes and it's not going to stop me and I'm still having fun. So that's normal too. We're not, you're never, well, as far as I know, we, we don't get to a place where there's no anxiety at all. It's just, I know my limits. And if the anxiety is above it, then I, what I've come to learn is that's my inner self saying, you want to be here. This yeah. is not set up correctly. Something is missing, is so and nice. you're either yeah, you're either doing it too big, or you haven't asked for enough help, or you don't have enough information. But I use it as an internal like alarm system instead of turning it on myself. Oh, it's me. There's something wrong with me. No, that's not. No, that's and I I would say that's never the never 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 the case. So if you know if you're approaching something like you know me trying to build a second universe. That was too much, um, all by myself. Then ask yourself, um, what is it about this I don't like, and change it. We're right back to what do you want, and are you having fun? Yeah, absolutely. And that we have Use the power to change those things when they're not fun. Right. Use it as your guide. Yeah, and yeah, yeah I adjust word count all the time depending on life, what's going on in life. Uh, because uh, that's my guide to, are you having fun? Or are you just sitting down thinking, Oh dear Lord, I have to get to X number. Or am I done so early that it's like, well, what are we doing for the rest of the day? <laughs> so it's all fluid too. What you what you think you need to do today may not be what you wanna do, need to do tomorrow. It's all good. If we could all just trust ourselves more and get our sense of self from ourselves, and be okay, and be able to ask for help. So you were talking about, you know, the shame and the honesty. If I can't be honest, then I can't ask for help. Because I don't want you to know. So I'm not about to ask you. But if I if I ask for help, and you know, you find it as an opportunity to um, throw out aspersions, then you're just not the right person to ask. And I can go ask someone else, I can let go of whatever's going on with you. It's not about me. And um, go ask somebody else. But all I'm going to do, if I can't be honest, which is what I did, is isolate myself.
0: Ah, gotcha. I think that happens an awful lot. I think that so many of us authors are isolating ourselves because we don't realize that we need those other people to support us. I mean, we're we're social creatures, so it, it, you know, in a logical sense, makes sense. But we, I think we try to protect ourselves when we are feeling shame or doubt or feeling like we're not good enough. And that, that aspect is not going to
1: bring the results that you're looking for. No. And the one thing that I, again, take what you like and leave the rest for all of this. But the one thing I found that can cure that sense of I'm not good enough is actually exposing it to light. Yes. And so the very thing that I need in order to kill it is to go and, and be honest with others. Yeah. And, um, but pick and choose who you're, who you're honest with. And if you choose somebody and they turn out to not be an ally, okay, go choose somebody else. You'll figure it out. And that's another thing I think I said at that speech was um, find some writers who are kind of right at your level, who you admire as well. You're all kind of that's your class, like when you were in high school or kindergarten, (laughs) and you're going to grow together. And those are the people you can call and say, "Here's what happened, good or bad," and and they're either going to help you dissect it. Or they're going to cheer for you some, and you'll do the same for them. And you're going to keep them forever. I mean, I have them. So if you don't have them, that's one of the best reasons to go to 20 Books. If you're new, you're going to have so many people to choose from. And collect numbers and keep in touch. And, um, you know, do sprints virtually. All that stuff. So that you've you've created your own class. Yeah. That almost like the, not, not necessarily a
0: critique group, but like a, yeah, yeah a friend group of writers that are in that. Like, you're in, high,
1: like you're in college, I guess, you know, yeah. you're all taking the same, you're all taking courses, maybe not the same, but you have the same goal of graduating. Yep. And, um, and then once you get to certain places, you know, you still have each other that cool. you can support each other. And also a lot of, not just me, but i I hear it from others. It's it's like we all naturally get to this place. You start picking some place to go and gather physically. So like uh, a lot of people, they'll pick a, a resort and they'll show up together. So, you know, yeah, find your allies, find the people that you can talk to who won't make it personal, who won't say, yeah, that's terrible. You don't need that. The ones who can support you and help you dissect it and say, your blurb is terrible. Here, let me help you rewrite it. Or or you know, it looks like you're doing everything right. Maybe you haven't given it enough time. Whatever it is. That's really smart too. That's having those people that can take a look at
0: things and say, you know, there's nothing wrong with this thing. Just give it a little more space yeah. and, and breathe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And um and because a party of one is an echo chamber. Yeah. And if you're having chats with yourself, I mean, it's still just you. Yep. You talking to you will not get you out of the problem you're in in the first place. So sure. yeah, a little vulnerability may be required. Being able to own it and say, I screwed up quickly is awesome. You won't carry it around, you'll get help, you can laugh about it, and you can say you're sorry if that's required too.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about this the Kickstarter thing. Is this your is the Kickstarter your first thing, or did you did some of your friends My be like Kickstarter? Free? Now, did My you, theory. did you like hit up Patty, <laughs> Patty and be like, Hey, show me how to do this. Or where, what, what brought you to the, idea uh, I hit you up
1: Russell. Okay. Like, you know Russell. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Say, yeah, I'm talking to Patty next week. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big fan of gathering information. When people say the reason that won't work and they have gathered no information, I call that contempt ahead of information. So what are you basing it on? Yeah, right. Nice. So go and gather, gather, gather. Um, I talked to Dakota Kraut. He had a successful one uh, just recently on board game. He's doing a board game based on a series. Nice. And yeah. And um, I talked to the, there was a woman there at 20 books from 20, from Kickstarter who's in charge of all the books, Talked to her. And yeah, I'm a big fan of gathering information because then you can sort through it and figure out what you like and what you don't. And uh, it's always about, take what you like, leave the rest. But that takes trust. Again, we're back to the, I don't have to do everything. I'm going to trust thee. And, um, what resonates with me is the part I'll do. And I'm also taking the attitude of, uh, I'm going to keep it low, the amount to reach 1500. And, you know, there's still a part of me is like, please let me hit the 1500. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And gonna, yeah. And then I'm going to build from there and it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun when is your Kickstarter launching? It's launching May 1st. I okay. will have a temporary page up short, soon. I'm waiting on some artwork and uh, that people can then follow if they want so that when it comes out and it's called Queen of the Flightless Dragons. It's urban fantasy set in Austin. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Uh, that just sounds like a lot of fun. I know yeah. that, like, the,
0: the concept of Kickstarter for me, I've always gone small. I've, I've done like, I think three of them in my in the past and always done small. And it's, it is, it's that concept of, oh gosh, I hope people actually turn up and, and <laughs> support this thing. The last one I had done was um, it was almost like a class of us Pro- prolific works had like pulled us all in to like test out if they did kickstarters, like w- how would that work? Like, w- would it be a, a thing? And um, it was, it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot, but it's just that whole time. You're still white knuckling it. Like, is anyone going <laughs> to, okay. right.
1: Right. So Russell Nolte is the has a Kickstarter class and I think he has, they have like almost maybe a hundred percent success rate in teaching people and also to keep their expectations reasonable so that they always hit their mark. And um, with Kickstarter, I'm a, I am looking at it as a store. So lots of people who aren't authors browse Kickstarter, looking for things. Mm. It's the biggest seller of board games now. And, uh, not Walmart, not Amazon Kickstarter. Wow. And, uh, so I approach it as a new kind of store that's, uh, easier to bundle. It's the only place that if you as an author sell something, you actually get the emails of who you sold to. Right. And, uh, so you can actually build an audience that isn't dependent on somebody still being in business, still liking you. And, um, you, yeah, you can have a lot of fun with it. The, the stretch goals. um Yeah. And you can cheer others on. I can go on and join in on somebody else's. Um, Claire uh, Taylor had a recent one on um, Enneagrams for Authors. That yeah. was a really good one. it's It's been uh, for Queen of the Flightless Dragons. It's actually helped quite a bit to recognize what Enneagram I was doing with the main character and to keep oh, it in yeah. mind. She's extremely helpful. If you're stuck, yeah. stuck, stuck. Yeah. Find Claire Taylor. Also, I think she has a special going on right now. Ooh, I don't sweet. know when this is air when you're doing the podcast, but
0: it'll um, be in yeah. A couple of
1: weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Look yeah. up Claire because Claire Taylor and um, Enneagram for authors because yeah, you will learn a lot and about yourself. Uh, you know, I went into it, for the books and I learned what my Enneagram is and I kept thinking, yeah, sure. But she kept, <laughs> descri- <I laughs> she kept describing me to a T
0: and I just is. thought, oh,
1: <laughs> that's kind of annoying. Yeah, And um, so, yeah. yeah, so, but also with Enneagrams, what you learn is, and it's useful in developing characters is what does it look like as it gets healthy? And so that's the arc you create through the story That takes the, um, the character from here to here. And even if the no reader has ever seen an Enneagram in their life, they still internally know what rings true for a particular set of behavior. And you're not the reader, you're the writer. So you got to know how to get it there. It's not, it can't be by chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool. And it's the Enneagram is really interesting. I also liked Becca Syme. Um, she had a conversation. Oh, I did the that one artists.
1: too. Yeah. That was a really yeah. cool talk too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. no, but I mean, didn't she, doesn't she have an, she had a Kickstarter recently too, to, about how to get unstuck. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yep. I joined that one too. So uh, clearly I'm also a regular browser of Kickstarter. <laughs> nice. And it's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. It's also fun. You come across somebody who's, if this is their first book, they have zero fans. They've got this one yeah. little book. I love it. So if it looks at all, like they can pull this off, I'm going to join in. Yeah. And, yeah. And That's I think so it's cool. so much fun. Yeah. So yeah. You know, are you having fun? What do you want to do? so Kickstarter and then the, uh, Joe Solari spoke at 20 books on this. And what he said, Kickstarter, uh, sell from your website, Go wide, then Ku. Okay, and uh, you build a very strong audience that belongs to you. So you know, even if everything else burns down, you're still there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's a nice way to to build that foundation. I think yes. You know, if you're not quite sure where to start or how to build it in a way that's sustainable,
1: that's a great way to do it. Right, and also if you really are thinking, I don't understand ads at all. You, you know. As you get to know them, Kickstarter doesn't require it quite so much. People do advertise Kickstarter on Facebook, you know, when they have one, but it's not as necessary. And so it's a way to get going without all the pressure and without all the expense, because you do a Kickstarter, you figure out how much you need and take Russell's class, because that's the number one error you can do is you don't ask enough money. Um, But so you've already paid for, you, you know, you get money in. And you can use that when you get to Amazon to pay for ads. So it's not coming out of your pocket. That's great. And, and especially
0: since when you're first, putting anything onto Amazon, you have that two month buffer. It's like, (laughs) even if you started selling your books, it's like you have to wait two months before you actually get your first check. So
1: right, right. But also in the first 30 days, Amazon's algorithms will help you. And so if you go into it with some, a little bit of uh, of a headwind, then it will pick you up and help you rise. But you gotta do a lot of work before you get there. It's kind of like with Kickstarter too. If you bother to do a bunch before it opens, then you'll have a successful Kickstarter because, and I'm you know, basing this on what Russell and Claire and Patty and everyone else. The first 48 hours is uh, critical. Yeah. And so you want to actually have done all the work before you get there.
0: Yeah, it's like <clears throat> any kind of launch runway. You want to have that beginning yes. phase where people are aware of it. They know that this is coming. You build a, excitement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For you sure. could do a prequel for, if you're doing a series, you could do a prequel, give that away. Uh, so that when they show up, they, they know they like your style. Uh, Yep. And, and then just have some fun and pick up, like I'm doing, pick an amount you feel you could do. Yep. Because you know, if um, it doesn't stop you from, from it going higher. Absolutely. It just means that now it's funded
0: and you you know that that's the amount that you did to do to cover whatever it was that you were trying to cover for sure.
1: Right. And then you just keep going. Yeah. Right. And you can think of stretch goals that don't cost anything. Yeah. You don't have to do, yeah, just keep it simple. The first time, that's what I'm doing, least. I'm going to keep it simple because you learn from doing. And so, uh, you know, uh, th- this is a trilogy, by the way. I already know the next series I want to do this with. So uh, three Kickstarters to begin with, book one, two, and three. The books are longer than I normally do. They're about one and a half times as long, wow. a little more. Okay. Yeah. So, and the covers for Kickstarter will be exclusive to Kickstarter. And then I'll have another set of covers when I venture out of Kickstarter. So, That's you know, cool. create, yeah. Create a little exclusivity. Yep. And But, but if you well, can't well, afford multiple covers, don't worry about it. Just do one. Start from where you are. Where yeah. you are is great. Yeah, absolutely. Because people will see what you're trying to do
0: and what you're trying to accomplish. And yeah. if you're new, they're going to know that too. They're going to, like you just said, if they look. Like they're doing okay that that it's possibly gonna go for it. It's like why not?
1: Give them yeah. give them a little help. That's right. And it feels good to to uh giving someone a boost. You can't really figure that out looking at Amazon. There's too much. It's just too hard. But on Kickstarter, you can get an idea of, oh, okay, they're new at this. And it looks reasonable. And then also sometimes you come across somebody who's been doing it a while and they've got another new book and you like them and they're, it's clean and funny and whatever. Uh, yep. I joined those too. Nice. And I think I did one where the book is based on the ocean or something. And so there's a stuffed octopus coming my way.
0: Cool. Then you always get like these bookmail things where you're like, what is this thing? Ooh, it's a mystery. <laughs> do you do TikToks then when you get like the bookmail from Kickstarter? Oh,
1: no, no, I don't. No. Oh, I'll have cool. to look in. Yeah. TikTok is not something I've really investigated, but I have noticed how a lot of writers are using it to their advantage. Yeah. There's always going to be a new shiny object. If you got time, then go have fun with it. If you don't, okay, there'll be another one right behind it. Yes. Yeah. I completely
0: agree with that.
1: Yeah. You know, there was, I mean, because I've been doing this now long enough to remember the things that we were all crazy about that don't even exist anymore. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah, like, news, yeah. like actual handheld newspapers. <laughs> well, yeah. But I, yes. But even, <laughs> even in the past five years of indie writing, there was something, I don't even really remember their name anymore, but people were using it to give away books. It was a big, hot thing. In- Insta freebie. Been- it might, might have been an insta freebie.
0: Yeah, it merged with or it became prolific works is kind of how that went. But yeah,
1: even but prolific we were works, all talking it- about it and now everybody's moved on. And yep. some of the things survive in a new form or not quite as hot as they were. But yeah, you, you, um, or remember uh, Book Bob, how getting a book Bob was everything. Oh, great. And now, yeah. I mean, people were throwing, I think Craig Martell kept posting. 957th try, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we got one eventually, and um, but it yeah, they're still great to get, they just don't seem like you know the thing to do. Maybe Kickstarter's the hot new fun thing, I, I think it know. is right now. No it definitely
0: seems like it, especially since um, Brandon Sanderson and his big ginormous right. Kickstarter. I think right. authors are like, wait a minute, I didn't know you could do that, <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah. But you know, I don't think a lot of us are there over there yet because again, I'm a shopper as well looking and I can't find much. So we're not there yet. I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not flooded yet. It will. I, I keep saying probably will be at some point. Who knows? Who knows? I think
0: it just depends on those who are interested in actually putting the effort in. Cause I know for me, at least when I did the Kickstarter with prolific works, it was, really detailed. Like they had a specific way that they were helping us to create the, the sales page and all the different things that you had to highlight and the way that that, right. and so sometimes it's a lot more effort. And if you as an indie author right. are already feeling overwhelmed, <laughs> the last right. time you maybe it's do, not your thing. Right. Did yeah. you make a, did you make a video for it? I think I did. I can't remember if that last one I did, or I'm pretty sure I did because they had different, yeah. they had different requirements that they were having us do it,
1: and so InstaFreebie became Prolific Works. Yep. And now they're helping people. See, that's very clever of them. They morphed into the new thing.
0: I don't know if they're still doing the Kickstarter thing. This was back in 2019, I want to say, that I did the Kickstarter with them. Wow. Where they they kind of took a a group of us. They had emailed us and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about testing out this new thing. And I don't know if it even went anywhere after that. I just know that they were helping us develop our um, Kickstarters. I think they they got like a... Cut of whatever happened because wow, of our,
1: interesting,
0: yeah. So it was it was really a neat process to go through and just to learn from them. We had like a one of the Slack channels where everybody got to talk at the same, you know, right, in there and, right. and talk about how this is working and what what are we missing. And it was coordinated through prolific work. So if you were missing something, the the coordinator would be like, hey, you know, at whoever this person was, make sure you get your little whatever thing uploaded. So it was like there was always this ongoing conversation. You knew what was necessary, what was needed and what the deadlines were. And so it it worked pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was like clockwork. It was great, but I don't know if they continue to do that or not.
1: Well, you know, it doesn't matter if you keep doing Kickstarters, then it's doing, then it did what it was supposed to. If all the little authors keep, you know, figuring out how to start a Kickstarter, but don't let that be the, where you stop. I love Joe's idea of hit all the marks. Yeah. You know, instead of choosing just Kindle Unlimited or just going wide, why wouldn't you just do it like an arc and hit them all? Oh, I agree.
0: And, and try different things because you might find Kickstarters way more fun than just like just going wide.
1: <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And um, and as I progress and get comfortable with it and do more of them, then you start offering fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do it the first time though. There's enough to do without trying to figure out how to get things manufactured and mail. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Like special
0: embossed covers and yeah. Or
1: playing cards or yeah, yeah, there's a million different. Yes. Yeah. I'm Yeah. Let's just keep it simple.
0: Yeah. Cause then you have to do all that. It's almost like coordinating a a, a big conference. You have to have all the details up front. So you know how much
1: to charge people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So and anyone you talk to about Kickstarter who's who's teaching others, that's the thing they talk about the most is not getting it correct on cost. Sure. that that's will shoot you in the foot faster than anything. Yeah. So yeah, try and keep it simple. But yeah, I'll have one out in May. So I can't wait. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I, and it's I've been having more fun writing the book too. It just because it's new and it's longer form. And I gave myself more time. Yeah. While doing the other stuff still. Yep. So are all three books
0: coming out this year or is it going to be spent over?
1: Only It's going to expand over a little bit of time. Okay. And yeah. And then also that's what I'm hoping too, is that I can build an audience there where their expectation is. It takes a little longer so that, you know, possibly I can take this into a kind of retirement where yeah. I'm actually still working, but there's just m- lots more time in between.
0: I think that's great. I think that's yeah. so smart because there are so many people who are headless chickens trying to write a book a month and it gets nuts. And it's like, I don't even know how you people do that. <laughs>
1: uh, I do that, but I have, I know people who can write even faster than I can. and I have no idea. Right. Or people who are using a uh, voice recognition and... I've tried it. It does not work for me. So, you know, like anything, uh, there are people who are faster than I am. There are people who are slower than I am, but I'm 63. So I'm nearing where uh, I would like to do other stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. And so this is a way for me to test the waters and see if I can get it to where uh, it's still fun to do less of it and make money. And I think I can. And I think Kickstarters, you know, the Kickstarter sell for my website, go wide, KU, Pat. We'll see. We'll test out Joe's theory. So if anybody's watching the 20 books, Joe Solari's presentation was really good. It was. Uh, Patty's, uh, Russell. I think Russell did five presentations. He did
0: a number of them. And then the the panel where all of them were on the panel for Kickstarter was great,
1: too. Okay. okay. And... So, yeah, I would just go check all of those out and check out Russell's. I think Russell's got these short little videos you can watch on on that will get you at least um, the basics. And then you just go browse through Kickstarter, try a few. You can try them for like ten dollars. I mean, it's not. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And then you can, you know, you find things like Claire and uh, hers is, was so helpful. And then the other person you mentioned who had the uh, getting unstuck. Becca. Oh, Becca. Becca yeah. 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 So yeah, you might trip over something that's really super useful. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll let Claire know you've held up her book.
0: Awesome. I I look forward to that. I can't wait. I actually just got it three days ago. So I've been kind of looking through the first few chapters, like when I get a chance when
1: I'm doing other things. And so it just happened to be right here. Yeah. It's really been useful to, yeah. and in the Kickstarter. So, you know, in a Kickstarter, I got the level where there were, there's coaching, et cetera. That's another fun thing about Kickstarters. You get things you're, you're not going to get on Amazon. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think Patreon is a lot like that as well. I've been. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For me, I, I'm kind of burnt out with the whole idea of social media. And so this year I was talking with my PA and, and she's like, why don't you just stop doing social and shift it over to Patreon. You can do like public posting, but then the things that are like more in, you know, like uh, the works in progress or cover reveals or things like that, you have to be a paid Patreon. I'm like, that kind of makes sense because then it's more fun. It's got one kind of central location, central hub, and I don't have to feel like I'm spread out across all the different things. So it's, that's sure. my test for this year, where it's just to see, do I like this better?
1: That's a clever way to use Patreon. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, this is a clever way for you to say, I'm not having fun. How can I make this fun? Yeah. yeah. By the way, all my social media is connected. So I post one place and it hits all of them. Martin. And my, uh, often it's grace who's po- doing the posting. So that's another way to stay on social media. I go on looking for co- briefly looking for comments that I can respond to. Yep. Instead of having to post, post, post.
0: Right. That's Mm -hmm. that, I think that's the hardest thing where it's like you sit down in the morning and and batch bunch of social media. At least that's what I do. And it it consumes a lot more time than you think it will, especially if you're designing a a piece that goes with it, like a, an image or something along those lines. And it just gets to the point where it's no longer fun because you're trying to figure out like, how's this image going to work on Instagram versus Twitter versus it's like, Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah then I would say, get Grace's book. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to yeah. be getting that. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, Grace does all of that. She does the graphics for me. That's yeah. Awesome. I don't know how I would do what I do if I didn't have somebody doing. And you know, at first I resisted um, turning things over and Michael would laugh, Michael Anderle would laugh and, and I, and he'd say, why are you still doing that? <laughs> and, and that became another question that I can ask myself, why are you, why are you still doing that? So Yeah. So I could not be pulling off what I'm doing if I didn't have a grace.
0: I love that. Okay. I love grace, but I'm going to have to like segue back to Michael. (laughs) So (laughs) you have a great conversation about how you and Michael kind of, I guess, met, met. And then yeah. What's, what was that like? And how has it been working and co-writing with Michael?
1: So, uh, for the two people left who haven't heard this story <laughs> um, meet up, um, you know, meet up, if anybody doesn't know what meetup is, you can literally put any topic into it and find a club or a group within your town that's meeting. And it's low uh, commitment because you can show up once and never show up again. You can, they even have things for like going to see Christmas lights or writers groups. And I was in, I was in a writer's group one. So I got the emails and there was this guy coming to talk back in, 2016 or 17. And he'd only been writing for at most five months and was already making six figures and in fiction, which is supposed to be impossible as an indie. And that's supposed to be impossible. And I thought he's lying, but I'm (laughs) going to go and maybe I'll pick up a marketing tip. And uh, I had a teenager with me who'd already written three space operas Um, And she wanted to go. And um, so there's about 90 authors and writers in the room. And uh, halfway through, I realized Michael had noticed, accidentally noticed something the rest of us had missed, that the whale readers, which is somebody who reads at least a book a day, didn't have enough to read. Michael's a whale reader. That's how he tripped over it. And so he was trying to write something that he wanted in the style he liked, which... Fit them perfectly, and so of course they gobbled it up. And so at the very end, he said something he will probably never say again, which was, "I will stay as long as anyone has a question."
0: <laughs> I had yeah, especially a not at a year. twenty books conference. Good lord, oh. he'd be there for
1: like three years. <laughs> yeah. And I had this teenager with me and thought, oh, well, I can't stay because I need to get hurt because I thought he'd be stormed by 90 writers. Yeah. And the people going by me were saying, he's lying, he's a fake, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I turned around and looked, and there was just two old guys. uh, and that was it. And so I went up to him. I was the only one who said, What's your phone number? Another thing he won't do anymore. (laughs) I love that. He gave it to me. And, um, I was the only one who followed up out of all those people. I was the only one. So then Michael claims to this day that he said, do you want to do a series? I swear. He said, do you want to start a universe? Mm. And, uh, even if, probably in his mind, the, the same thing, but <laughs> well, I'd like to point out that even if he's right, when I started the universe, he didn't stop me. Mm. So he jumped on board, I guess. And we started for Saren. Nice. And that was because I got, finally got into a place where I was willing to listen and willing to be part of a team and let go of outcome. All those things I finally figured out to do. And so instead of micromanaging it or saying it should look like this or wanting to sound smart, I, this guy's doing what I want to do. So why, just, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean- in the very early days, we would finish the cover five minutes before we had to hit uh, And um, That's always pretty one, familiar. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. And um, there was one time, a brand new series, first book, Amazon put the wrong book inside the right cover on a very large pre-order. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then they also said, prove it. And uh, <laughs> I bet, but we had fans by then. So I could, I knew I could actually ask them. They, so I had proof they fixed it, but instead of like, Oh my God, what will we do? We were laughing because it was totally out of our hands. Yeah, we watched right. people one star us for it and we had no control over it, but then we also watched the fans come after the people. <laughs> one us. We just <laughs> stood on the sidelines <laughs> and watched. And two weeks Eight later, that- <laughs> yeah, right. And two weeks later, the book took off like a rocket. And that series was very successful. And I'm not sure we even actually know why. I mean, was all the hullabaloo? But the thing is, we kept a sense of humor. We didn't sweat it. We were willing to wait and see. Uh, We did what was necessary. I went and found fans who could show. Amazon screwed up, not us. And so they would fix. So what we needed them to do was send a new book to everyone who had already gotten one. And in order to do that, they wanted proof. So we got And uh, so, yeah, you got to. You're gonna have to have a really big sense of humor because things will go wrong. Sometimes it was you, sometimes it was something else, and you just got to be able to laugh and say, "Okay, how do I fix it?" And then let it go. Don't let it burn a trademark in your brain. Just yeah. let it go. So, do you have I a lot of at,
0: fun with Michael?
1: Oh yeah, I look <laughs> yeah. at the early covers we did and think, "Ooh boy," and <laughs> we paid more for those. We didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah, okay. we paid far too much for those, or he was sick once. And I was doing the early renditions of the troll who became famous. And the, and it's just the worst looking thing. And even now he'll say, what were you thinking? And I'll say, I have no idea. <laughs> I, and I love it.
0: <laughs> it's,
1: and then there are other things that um, I loved. He didn't and people love it now. And so, you know, he shrugs. Yeah. Then again, there's no echo chamber. There's two of us and we check in with each other, but I'm heading out on a project on my own. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I, yeah. And yep. We'll see. Grace is my um, person. I can ask, what do you think? I have actually, and then also I have all the writers I started with who I can say, what do you think? But also at the end of the day, I'm going to trust my gut. That's great. I think that's yeah. so smart. <laughs>
0: Well, Martha, thank you so much for being here. This has so, been a lot of fun. I love it. It's been so fun. And I wish I oh, could do yeah. all day long. Trust me. I'm like, oh, I would love to pick your brain. You're just, it's amazing to listen to you talk. Well, you know, you can
1: also call
0: me outside of this. Absolutely. We yeah. will have to do that. Have some yeah. having tea. We can have tea sometime. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Somebody gave me for, where did I stick it? For Christmas. A Justice League cup warmer. Ooh, nice. You plug into your computer.
0: Heck yeah. Keep, your- <laughs> Keep your mug warm and like right. going. I like it. Right.
1: And then they also came with an Aquaman with an Aquaman pen.
0: <laughs> Wicked. That is yeah. get way cooler gifts than I got. <laughs> i giant nerd at heart and everyone knows it. Love it. I love it. I think I bought myself all of the books that I got this year. It's like people forget I'm a book person. <laughs> it's so weird.
1: I think that intimidates people to buy you a book. That but might be. Yeah. 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 I actually, last year I joined a book club um, because I knew it would get me to read books I don't normally read and it would give me a deadline to get the book read. And it's turned into something really useful because n- only one person in there likes urban fantasy. And um, yeah. What? She was what? a big fan though. So there's that a, was. Nice. I'm like, there's a peep, there's people like that. What? <laughs> oh, they look at me like, Ugh. And um, yeah, they call Neil Gaiman horror. And it's like, he doesn't write horror. What? <laughs> yeah. So the bottom line of this though, I've ended up reading a lot of books I would have not known about or chosen. The best one was um lessons in chemistry. Ooh. And Oh, it's so good. And I love the, the fact that this woman, um, she's 65, and this is her first book. And it's really, really good. I love so, it. So Lessons in Chemistry is my I'll one. Check it out. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So that's also helpful um, to join a book club and just be a member. Yeah. And, yeah. You'll read stuff. I'm reading um, Black Cake right now.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'm reading The Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. That's the one I'm reading. Okay. At- yeah. okay.
1: I think I've read some of Lucy's score as well in the book club. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. This is yeah. the first one that I've read of hers. Um, my PA, I'm actually transitioning a little bit over into a contemporary romance pen name that I'm going to test out mm-hmm. this year. And so I've been reading a lot of Colleen Hoover. Cause you know, obviously she's the, the queen of this genre and Lucy is the first time. This is the first time I've read hers and I've read a bunch of others in, in similar vein. And so it's just, it's been fun to switch it up a little bit. Cause for me, I'm, yeah. I'm that big uh fantasy geek so I read a lot of urban fantasy and paranormal fantasy and paranormal and so it's night it's been actually kind of a breath of fresh air almost like a palate cleanser yeah exactly
1: yeah I think it's part of the reason why Queen of the Flightless Dragons has been more fun to write because I'm being influenced by the sentence structure of the books I've been reading and a different way of looking at things and yeah it's been a pal a palette cleanser and yeah it's made this more fun
0: isn't that neat when that happens when you you test something else or you read something else and how it does influence us I know a lot of authors especially in the beginning are so scared to read anything because it might influence them and it's
1: actually that's that's good that's a good thing yeah yeah I'm a product of all the books I've read yeah yeah that's great yeah. Well, this has been so much fun.
0: Thank you for being here. And if my audience wants to find you and track you down and get your books and all the good fun stuff, where do they go to find you?
1: So um, right now, all the books are on amazon.com under Martha Carr. You can sign up for the newsletter at marthacarr.com. Um, and which makes it super easy. And that way you'll also hear about the Kickstarter on Facebook. There's an uh, um, an author group uh, Martha Carr. I just kept it really simple. If you can remember Martha Carr, you've kind of got it. Yep. And that uh, is where the fans can come and chat with each other. And also, um, every first Friday of the month, I started during quarantine thinking I would do it for a few weeks and two years later, <laughs> uh, I'm still Uh-oh. doing it. um, you can sign up during the month to win a pizza. Uh, and then on the first Friday of the month, we all get five fans win every month. And then on the first Friday, we gather together on Zoom, and they're like family. They're the craziest bunch of it's hurting cats. It's so much fun, I and love that. it's so much fun. And um, they look forward to seeing each other. They get very put out if they if the Zoom isn't working because you know <laughs> we've been doing this for two years. Anyone they come from all over the world to join in, and um, occasionally um, other authors will show up. Uh, people who write North Saren are, are regularly there. And, wow. um, what so 1, thing 1 PM, cent- 1 PM central time, okay. first Friday of every month. If you're in my Facebook group, you'll store on my, or you follow my author page, you'll see the sign up for a free pizza. You don't have to come <laughs> often. People win and don't come on Friday. That's cool. The only reason why you can only win a pizza domestic, U S domestic is because I don't know how to deliver a pizza in Holland but uh which bep who comes to every meeting who lives in holland i think or denmark and if bep sees this she will correct me <laughs> um but um she will um she's always pointing out that she should get a pizza by the way too during um so i had a, reoccur- a reoccurrence of the cancer last year and the fans found out that i was doing chemo cuz now chemo exists for melanoma and so i was uh it was during, still during quarantine, which is a very weird time because you can't take anyone with you. I had to go into the building alone okay. and it takes all day. And Oops. so suddenly I started getting uh, those uh, direct messages and they were super long and they read more like a story and they were from fans. And I started thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> oh. Somehow Beth found out what day oh. and word got around. And so they were trying to entertain me from afar. Oh, and, that's so yeah, sweet fans uh sent flowers from whatever foreign country she's in and um yeah fans sent all sorts of things um to try and uh be there and i mean how amazing is that That is amazing it is amazing Mm -hmm.
0: how awesome is that and
1: it's just to know that
0: what you do and who you are and the way that you be impacts people so deeply that they're willing to do that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. And that we're more like family and friends. Yeah. So yeah. And yes, Scott Walker, another author shows up all the time for pizza Friday. Love it. Yeah. Tr Cameron comes all the time. He's my favorite. He writes in Orosarin and he had been coming for at least a year and I, kept saying, so what next book do you have coming out? It wasn't until a couple of months ago that they all said, he's real. We thought that was your pen names. <laughs> and he was laughing. Fortunately, he was laughing quite a bit because, I mean, he's been sitting there the whole time and they thought it was me. So <laughs> why did they think I was asking him, what book do you have coming out? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. we've just referred to him as an AI ever since. Nice. He's a
0: non-player yeah. character. That's <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: That's right. That's how uh, much I go out for fans. I will make someone show up as a
0: pen name. Oh, that is awesome.
1: <laughs> now, you know what they're doing when they're reading
0: your books and they're really like trying to figure out what's actually happening and they're That's giving right. like, That's they right. taking all sorts of leaps going on. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, Martha, thank you so much for being here truly. And like I said, your talk was, It was one of the ones that just stuck with me the entire day. And it was, was it earlier in the day too? I was just thinking about it the entire
1: time. Late morning. yeah. Because I specifically asked Craig not to put me at eight o'clock. So I know it wasn't,
0: wasn't the first. (laughs) But I remember just sitting there thinking about it all day. It was just, and then I think when I was in the 20 books group, uh, the attendee group I was like dark curse you Martha (laughs) I think I even said something like that in there like making me cry this dang thing Uh."
1: that's my goal see how many people I need to cry yes yes
0: (laughs) it's all good well thank you I appreciate you being here and I can't wait to have you you on again if you'd ever like yeah so absolutely maybe
1: we can come back and talk about how the kickstarter went I would love that yes it's a plan yeah all right (laughs) all right well have a good have a good day yeah and happy new year Happy New Year to you as well. Well, there she is,
0: the wonderful, the amazing Martha Carr. She is absolutely one of the most amazingly grounded and down-to-earth people in this indie sphere, and I'm so excited to have her be on this show and communicate with us about how she is and who she is and what she does and all the crazy, amazing things that she has had happen to her and things that she's learning and all the insights and tips that she has been able to deliver to all of us. Now, if you're looking for any of the links to some of the stuff that she talked about, because we covered a lot of things, anything from her PA's book all the way through some of the extra videos that you could find from the 20 Books to 50K conference, it will all be found in our show notes for today's podcast episode, which is authorrevolution.org forward slash 167. So you can find quick links to just go to all the places and see all the things right there. Now, I want you to take some of the advice that she gave you in this episode, mold it to be your own, become the amazing author that you're meant to be, because that is what this journey is all about. Live each day as if it is the most important thing you have ever done, because it is. Right now is your most important thing. Be present, be aware, and go forth and start
1: your author revolution.